Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hi everyone, so good to be with you. I'm so excited preaching to an empty room again. There's nothing like it. <laughs> I'm st- I've had such a good attitude, but I'm starting to crack, I think. I just want to get back. Um, Jesus certainly is our champion, and I think the great concept in that is he can fight the battles for us as long as we're doing our own part in cooperating with him. A um, few things I'm doing to keep my brain from cracking up uh, is I'm trying to walk five kilometres a day, which has been really good for me. Um, oh, and by the way, it's just some successful growth. A couple of strawberries about this big, um, a mulberry about this big, and I gave it to Lizzie to put in her... Um, breakfast, which was yogurt and fruit, and <laughs> after when it was so small we couldn't find it anymore, <laughs> so we don't, we don't know what it tasted like. And some potatoes came through, which was a real breakthrough. Um, little Lola's been great. She's not a very noisy baby. She sleeps a lot and she cries so gently, so we've enjoyed little Lola. Um, and I am writing, I've started writing a 52-week devotional that'll take me about six months. I couldn't face a 365-day, you know, one for every day. It just felt like too much. But um, I felt like I can pull off, you know, one devotional for a week. So I'll work on that and we'll work out how to publish that later. Um, and I just wanted to congratulate Manor House on 91 hampers going out during this last week. So that was fantastic. I'm just so proud of you doing acts of kindness. Have you found that? I found when I get down and it's all getting, yeah, if I do an act of kindness for someone, it just changes my demeanour so much. So anyway, God bless you all that are doing acts of kindness. All right, bad boys and bullies of the Bible. This week we're doing the world's first bully, Cain, Genesis. He was the eldest child and first son of Adam and Eve and became the world's first murderer. He was the first man to be born naturally. He was the founder of the Kenites, who was a race that invented polygamy. They were a sin-oriented race that believed in God but stayed at a distance from him. They tended, they had a tendency to create their own theology to justify their sin. Whoa, that's a common mistake you've got to be all be aware of. Um, Cain did a thing. He compared himself to Abel and fell short. And when he realised that his brother was doing so well, instead of uh, rejoicing with him and learning from him, you know, with a humble attitude, he got jealous and stayed in pride. Um, And the jealousy turned to pride. The pride ended up in murder. Um, He wanted to eliminate his competitor. And I was just thinking, driving in in the car, I think it's difficult amongst siblings. You know how there's sibling rivalry. Um, I don't think we had a lot in my family, but um, I I know it's very real for some people. And Sometimes parents don't intentionally favour one, but a child can read that the others are favoured and it can play with their head. And that's the reason why so many wills are contested. Often when parents die, you end up with a lot of conflict through that. But anyway, so just... Parents need to be aware sometimes of making sure that the children feel um, that there's parity and equality. Um, let's go to the scripture first, and then we'll, we'll just teach some things out of Cain. We're looking at Genesis 4. It'll come up on the screen. 
and we're going verses 2b to 16. Let me read fairly quickly. Now Abel kept flocks or animals and Cain worked the soil, so he grew plants. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord and Abel also brought an offering. Go to the next sentence. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry. It's just interesting that the emotion he feels is anger straight away. And his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? I don't know about the rest of the husbands in the church, but I'm sure God could come up most weeks and find a spot where he'd say to me, why are you so angry? seems to be part of having testosterone in you is that there is an anger that, that can, I don't know, froth up at times and you've got to, got to work with it. Um, and why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were there, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, I think he found him later, and said, where is your brother Abel? It's like God's calling him to give an account. Doesn't accuse him yet, just calls him to give an account. And he listens first. We're supposed to do that too in parenting with your children. Listen first. They've done something wrong. Is there a reason why this happened is a really important thing. Um, uh, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he re replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Let me just press pause there. There's a group in Sydney called the Bra Boys. It's a gang and, you know, there's NRL players in it and people on Bondi Rescue that are in it, some of the lifesavers. They use that scripture as their thing and they have tattooed across here in an ark, um, my brother's keeper. Uh, it's not so much... <laughs> A positive thing in the Bible, it's like Cain accusing God of favouritism, which is, it's a heavy thing to accuse God when you're the one that's just murdered someone. So I'm not sure for the Bra boys, it'd be interesting to find out why they, why they have gone with that. But where it shows up in scripture, it's kind of a negative connotation more than a positive one. Let's move on. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer. And in just the next little section, Cain says, my punishment is more than I can bear. Notice he doesn't repent. And it goes on to say, then the Lord put a mark on Cain. This is end of verse five, so that no one who found him would kill him. Um, so Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and lived in a land east of Eden. Um, just, can I just give you two short scriptures where the New Testament refers back to Cain? It says a couple of really interesting things. In 1 John 3, uh, verse 11, we'll read a little bit. Uh, 1 John 3, 11, there it is. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. So if you're living a good life, that doesn't mean everyone's going to love you. Sometimes you'll be like Abel and you'll be treated the wrong way 
because you're living a righteous life. That's very interesting. And the book of Jude, which has no chapters, just verses, um, says this in verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. They're shepherds who feed only themselves. There's something connected to the action of, you know, rushing for profit. So it seems like um, Cain liked shortcuts and wanted to get the quick way where he wanted to remove any competition. Um, and it doesn't work well being, being so ruthless. It's just interesting to me that God, when he calls him to give an account, God already knows his sin, but he doesn't head in with an accusation. He inquires, and then he listens to Cain's account. Um, you would expect confession, repentance, humility, but you get defence, blame, pride, and then accusation against God. It's just interesting. I wonder what you and I'll do when we give an account to God for our lives. Um, I did find a scripture. Uh, Mindy was asking me for what are the good parts of Cain? I found it hard to find any. However, God doesn't like to kick people when they're down, and that was why he put the mark on Cain. Like Cain still got some mercy from God. God didn't hate him. It says this in Psalm 69. Those who persecute the ones I have struck, as in God has struck, their dwelling place becomes desolate because they add iniquity to their own iniquity. Until they have blotted, until they are blotted out of the book of life. So, whoa, be very careful about kicking people while they're down, which is what trolls seem to specialise in. And I think trolls, whether we find out who they are or not, actually sow the seed that ruins their own lives. So, don't become like that just because you've got anonymity and and no one knows who you are. Um, I just want to give you a modern-day story. I used this a few decades ago, but I found it again the other day, and it's just a good example of this, how sometimes we can be murderous with, without realising it. So I'm not doing it to make you feel bad. It's just an interesting story. Two men were both seriously ill. They occupied, occupied the same small hospital room. One man was allowed to sit up in his bed for an hour each afternoon to help drain the fluid from his lungs. His bed was next to the room's only window and the other man had to spend all his time flat on his back. Um, every afternoon when the man in the bed by the window would sit up, he would pass the time by describing to his roommate all the things he could see out the window, which was really nice of him trying to help the other guy. The man in the other bed began to live for those one-hour periods where he could imagine what the outside world was like. The window overlooked a park with a lovely lake, the man said. Ducks and swans played on the water while children sailed their model, model boats. It had a fine view of the city. After a time, unexpectedly, an alien thought entered the man's head who was stuck on his back and couldn't see out the window. Why should he have all the pleasure of seeing everything while I never get to see anything? It didn't seem fair. The thought fermented. His envy eroded into resentment and turned him sour. He began to brood, and that thought now controlled his life. Late one night, as he lay staring at the ceiling, the man by the window began to cough and choke. He was choking on the fluid in his lungs. 
The other man watched in the dimly lit room as the struggling man by the window groped for the button to call for help. But soon there was silence. A press of his own button could have saved the man's life. The following morning, the day nurse arrived and found the lifeless body of the man near the window. As soon as it seemed appropriate, the other man asked if he could be moved next to the window. Slowly, painfully, he propped himself up on one elbow to take his first look. Finally, he would have the joy of seeing it all himself. He strained to look out the window beside the bed and found that it faced a blank wall. I'll just let that speak for itself. Uh, two points. First one, beware of yielding to jealousy. It's a notorious liar and so dangerous for your own soul. The sin of fratricide, which is the killing of someone in your own family or someone really close to you, um, it's like killing a close relationship. And sometimes maybe all of us at some point in our life have killed close relationships unnecessarily. Um, just as the Sanhedrin, led by Caiaphas, envied Jesus and killed him. Cain's sacrifices, it seems, were religious observances. They had no love in them and no heart in them. They were the right action with the wrong motivation. They led, and, and, and that kind of behaviour led to an angry demeanour that tormented him and led to rage and murder. Uh, interestingly enough, Cain buried Abel to conceal his crime, but God exposed it. Mm. I just, I find it so interesting that he never repented. It wasn't <laughs> many people on the earth, and God was right there, but he, he never repented. It's just so interesting. Second thing, he had such a bad attitude. He accuses God of having the wrong angle. Am I my brother's keeper? Man, I thought, haven't you got fear of God? He must have had to cast off his fear of God before he was able to murder. But now he accuses God. Um, one of the Bible teachers, I think it might have been Matthew Henry, talked about um, when people have committed great crimes, like you know heinous crimes that shock us all, often when they're in court and they're in the dock, they just have this calmness over them and no, uh, no guilt. No, it's just like they're almost pretentious or precocious, throw their hair back like I've done nothing wrong. Um, and he called it the calmness of criminals in the dock. It's just interesting that. Um, but shed blood cries out, as does real guilt. Um, Self-righteous people are capable of great hatred. So that's where we have to be careful of self-righteousness. Um, you know, when you stand before God to give an account, you don't start accusing him. <laughs> you, you accuse yourself. Uh, the reason why murder is such a heavy sin in the Bible is because for murder there's no restitution to that person. It is no longer possible. In fact, it says in Proverbs 28, a murderer's tormented conscience will drive him into the grave. A man burdened by blood guilt will be a fugitive until his own death. Wow. Wow. I just, you know, as I looked over the story... I thought, blame's a weird thing. Um, I'm like you. When I've done something wrong and I get busted, it's almost the initial reaction. You want to blame someone else. But, gee, we've got a, 
you know, be strong in leading ourselves and not play the, the, the blame game. It takes humility then to edit that out and tell the real truth. Um, blame's weird. So it's much safer with God to confess your sin, not blame him or someone else. Interestingly, Cain's parents were blamers. Adam blamed Eve for the sin in the garden and Eve blamed the devil for the sin in the garden. And interesting, their son goes one step further and blames God for his own sin. Uh, Spurgeon says this, there has always been a continual conflict between grace and corruption. That's why sometimes the world will persecute the Christian. The corrupt will always detest those who have grace. Satan tempts, but we are the sinners, and sin hardens our, heart, our hearts. I wrote, brokenness through suffering is sometimes our only hope for a proper escape. Um, someone else said this. Uh, I think it was Frederick Brunner. says, sinful friendships and immortal feuds that kill relationships. So beware of sinful friendships. All right, finished, but I'll conclude. Um, if God calls you to an... <laughs> to account two paths honesty confession repentance or lying blamely blaming an accusation um, one of the things that will give you good practice <laughs> for that is when you get busted on the earth maybe when we've done something wrong and someone calls us to an account we need to you know choose the right path there let me because our hearts are proud and we've got, to, we've got to lead them sometimes. I found this story. It's not a true story, just in case you were wondering, but listen to this. Uh, there was a story told of a turtle who lived in Melbourne. He wanted to spend the winter on the Sunshine Coast, but he knew he could never walk that far. He convinced a couple of geese to help him, each taking one end of a piece of rope while he clamped his vice-like jaws in the centre. The flight was going really well until someone on the ground looked up in admiration and asked, who was the clever person who thought of that? Unable to resist the chance to take credit, the turtle opened his mouth to yell out, I did, and that was the last anyone saw of the turtle. Pride will, will do that to you. It doesn't consider the circumstances and the end result carefully. Um. I just, I just wanted to say this because I'm just worried this message will make you too aware of who's sinned badly and who hasn't or it'll make you hate murderers and not be able to relate. Um, every human being possesses equal worth and an inherited dignity. That's why the Bible talks about that we're created in the image of God. That's every person is created in the image of God. So there's a sense of we're all children of the Creator. We're all his own kin and he's interested in redeeming all of us. And often when we fight with someone or someone wrongs us, we kind of do this thing in our hearts where we declare them as completely evil. It's almost like we've declared final judgment. We throw them out of our lives and have nothing to do with them. But even God doesn't go that far. The moral logic of God is love your family. That's nice. We get that. Love your neighbour but what if they're not nice? Well, he doesn't say that. He just says, love your neighbour. And then the ultimate test, love your enemy. Whoa. And that certainly needs some work in all of us. We don't get to decide 
heaven and hell for people. And some people might look like they're going to hell, but down the track, they're transformed. And some of the people who look like they're going to heaven actually can be like Cain, doing the right actions, but the wrong heart behind it. And eventually their hearts become exposed and they may not go there. Um, I just—I don't know. I was thinking this just out of my prayer journal. There's sometimes a log in the eye of the church. I'm not so much talking, you know, specific individual churches. Church in general, because churches can be very judgmental, and I don't like it when the gospel of grace isn't preached out of churches, but judgment is preached out of churches, or even Christians are so big on their own rights that they condemn everybody else. Through history, there's been a log in the eye of the church, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the wealth accumulation versus wealth distribution. The per- there was, you know, eras of perpetration of slavery. There was horrors of child abuse more recently and really the treatment of women. So the church has made plenty of mistakes. So the church's position never should be stepping into judgment to judge everyone else. The church is there to help people on the journey and encourage them through. So just, just be aware of condemning. It's, it's just dangerous ground to put yourself on. The same remedy for this stuff has always been there. It's get our own logs out before we remove someone else's specs. And if we, if we change individually, then that changes the church. But really, there's, there's a log in the eye of us all. Do you know, I realised now that I'm older, the future generations, so for us, baby boomers, you know, one or two generations down where we're gone and they're running the church, they will find it really easy to see the logs that were in our eye, the things we did wrong that we had no clue on. And I think that happens to every generation. So, you know, I think on the earth we're supposed to walk with a humble attitude because we all have blind spots that we don't know about that are still yet to be revealed in some ways. Um, I've heard that saying, for evil to reign on the earth, all it takes is for good people to do nothing. But I thought of this, for good people to do evil, that takes religion. Caiaphas is the example of that, and we'll probably talk about him next time. Um, Religion and self-righteousness and striving to look better than others Uh, can lead to some really, really heavy sins and that can make good people do wicked things. So beware. It's like in any time where we see misdirected passion, you've probably seen it on the streets of Melbourne recently in the last few days, misdirected passion is a massive danger. It tries to use power to crush others and has uh, unteachable opinions of itself. Um, I finish, I wanted to finish on a funny story and I don't know if I'll think of anything else to say. I've got a little bit of time, so I'll just think. Um, but let me just write this to you. Because, you know, I'm 67, so I desperately don't want to be a cranky old bloke. But there is crankiness in you as you get older that you've got to deal with. Um, and I just thought this story was really funny because I have met some cranky old men in my time. Um, A picture will come up on the screen of this couple. An 80-year-old woman um, was married to a mean, grumpy old man. She was arrested for shoplifting. When she went before the judge, he asked her, what did you steal? She replied, a can of peaches. The judge asked her, how many peaches were in the can? Obviously, this story is from a long time ago. 
She replied, six peaches. The judge then said, I'll give you six days in jail. At that, the husband yelled out, she also stole a can of peas. <laughs> you don't want me to be a cranky old man, and I don't want to be a cranky old man. So sometimes that's just working on the little things, but occasionally we've got to put our um, hand on the big things in our life that are trying to corrupt us, our ability to murder, our ability to kill relationship, our, our ability to condemn people to hell, our ability really to overreact to what's actually happening without ever hearing the other side of the story. That, that overreaction is a danger for any human being in, in any situation. And so I, I want to avoid the sin of Cain. I listen to those scriptures in Jude and 1 John. And I don't want to follow that way of eliminating <laughs> and, I don't know, just, just doing it my own way. They're, I don't know about you, but for me, there's lots of times in every week where I have to think, God, I've got the wrong reaction in me here. Can you help me get it right? Um, and sometimes it's harder than that. But anyway, sometimes the most common thing God says to me, hold your tongue. So sometimes if I feel I can sense the attitude's not right, I just shut up until it shifts or I've had time with God or the circumstance reveals itself and I'm thinking, can I tell you what I think every time? Not... 99 out of 100, every time, 100%. Gee, I'm glad I kept my mouth shut. We'll finish with that. Dear Jesus, please help us all to keep our mouth shut. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.